It's that time again for another episode of Scaring is Sharing. That's right. The place where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. We are the Scare Boys. And I am here today with Jeremy the Original, Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And Winnie, Minnie, Minnie, Mew. I am here with Brandy Joe Planbeck, the Flame and Scream Queen himself. You know it, Bash. Hell yeah, the Scare Boys. We, yeah, we need like a theme song, like some oh, rock yeah. and like I imagine me in a cowboy hat, like flinging a, yeah. a rope. Oh god, that's awesome. Wrestling some like possessed cattle. Yeah, and I want to be dressed <laughs> up like Davy Crockett or something, bunch of furs, like some sort of crazy mountain man. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, that is the stuff of dreams. It is. If you have not listened to us before, the typical format is Jeremy and I come on, talk about our news and views, and then we assign a movie to the other person they've not seen before. We watch them, we come back, we talk about them. But then sometimes we have guests on who assign us the films, every 10 episodes, that is. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, like this week, one of us, in this case me, doesn't have time to meet twice or to watch two movies. So we do a spooky solo, a solo spooky, a solo a singular sp- spooky, a singular spooky. Or what about a spooky soliloquy? <laughs> a si- what, what were we calling them too? I think Tiny Terrors originally. Tiny Terror. Yep. The, the, like, but uh, yeah. Spooky soliloquy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, wait, what, I'm an actor, so I should know. But what's the difference between a monologue and a soliloquy? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a monologue is just talking, right? And isn't a soliloquy a type of poem? Like, isn't it? Doesn't it have to follow a specific meter or uh, format? So it's a monologue addressed to oneself. Mm. So a monologue is, I think, a little bit more out and about to everybody. And a soliloquy is like, why am I like this? Yeah. So but I should have known that, but like ha- I didn't. Like, like Hamlet. When he's alone talking to himself, that would be a soliloquy then. Yes, yes. Yes. Yes, queen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Your lesson, your theatrical lesson for today. Yep. Um, and as you know, which episode or what movie we're talking about, and for once, um, not once, and this happens occasionally, but we both know what movie we're going to talk about as well. But if you want to skip ahead to it, you can look in the podcast notes and just zoom right along, partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> partner <laughs> i'm all about being a cowboy today yeah you are what's going on i mean i know you're from wyoming but did you ever see dead time stories no i haven't but you know it's like a compilation movie but i think they all yeah. have like a western sort of vibe to them okay okay but yeah i've never seen it either i had no interest but i think there should be more horror westerns and i've never seen like there probably are, and I just haven't spent time with them. Like, there's that Winchester movie, mm-hmm. right? That didn't get great reviews. Am I remembering that right? Because there's something with like the Winchester gun, and someone decent was in it, like Kate yeah. Blanchett or some shit. That I don't sounds, know. That, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, technically, Near Dark is considered a vampire western, so. That is true. So Winchester was Helen Murren. Oh, okay. Yes, but it is like a ghost story about like someone, like an heir to 
Sarah Winchester, who, yeah, I don't know who she is, but something with the Winchester rifle. She believes she's haunted by the souls of people killed by the Winchester repeating, I almost said revival, rifle. So there you go. But you know what its meta score is on IMDb? Real bad, probably. 28. Yep. That is real bad. Helen Mirren. Helen, why? Helen, why? Wait till Helen comes. Oh, good. Oh, poor Lord. Thing. So, Jeremy, since I last saw you, we had, um, well, first of all, our last episode, we had the goth botanist on Lauren for episode 130, which was a blast. Total blasty. Total blast. Um, but I have just been busy with theater, theatrical things, which is why I should have been up on my, my soliloquy talk. But, mm-hmm. you know, I do mostly monologues in that and not soliloquies. So, uh Anyway, I just I I I honestly have watched nothing besides the movie we're watching. I have mm-hmm. not looked at the news once because I wake up in the morning and while I'm doing my morning routine, I usually do Wordle, Cinnardle, and Framed, which is a new game I've learned about, which shows you like Framed. Five, do you watch and play it. I love Framed. Sarah and oh I God, do it all it's the great. time. Today yeah. was the first time I got it in the first one. Did you do it today? Let me do it. Let me do it right now. <laughs> so if you don't know, go to Framed, and it's called, like, Framed. I mean, because there's multiple, of thi- of course, c- things called Framed. But it is called specifically... Uh, oh, God. It's Framed.WTF. Oh Thank you. Well, that's .WTF. Oh. Like, what the took, frame? It took me three to get this one. Oh, you just you got it. You just did it right now. I just did it right now. You did it, took, it so fast. It took three. I took it, but it is horror related. And since you'll all be mm-hmm. listening to this far after the fact, it was the village. It's the first one I got in one. And do you know what's really embarrassing is like, I mean, that movie's. I was gonna say a piece of trash. There's a few redeeming qualities about yeah, it. Yeah, it's not a great movie. It's not a great movie. But one of my all-time favorites that you've not seen, I. It's in my top five, and I missed it. It took me three guesses to get it, like last <gasps> week. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. because Almost I, famous. Yeah, I've never seen it, and I only got it because one of the frames was of Jason Lee, and I know what his character looks like in that movie. Well, then so you got why. it after the third one, because yep. the third one was when it I was got like, it. Yeah. It was like four or five I got it, and I was like, but oh, I've I was never a typewriter, so the first one I said misery, and I thought, uh, but I should have looked at what was being typed. And then the second one was Rain Wilson, and I forget he's even in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is Kate Hudson, like, dancing around in this big empty, like, concert arena with, like, flowers all over the place after a concert. And then I knew it, but I was embarrassed. One of my all-time favorites, and it took me that many times. I got Yesterday's in one. Which was some war thing it was independence day okay oh yeah yeah because the first one i was like i know randy quaid flying that jet at the end i know that image so i've seen that movie too many times now have you played sin and nerdle no so sin and nerdle is also a lot of fun it is more specifically cinna to nerdle so s i'm sorry c-i-n-e the number two N-E-R-D-L-E. And it's fun. It has all these blocks that say different things. Like, different people come up with these, so it's always Mm -hmm. a little different. Sometimes it's the words in a title. Sometimes it's things like actors and actresses and themes of a movie. But you Mm. have to align. It's like four rows of four. And you have to align, like, move the squares around to make, like, a movie. And it will tell you, oh, you got it. Or you have, like, 
three of the four there or whatever. And mm. so you do each of the lines that make up a movie. And then of those four that are all horizontal, then also one from each of those four make up one vertically. So there's five oh. movies you're guessing in these four rows. Cool. So check it out. Yeah, I'm going to try that one. Yeah. So if other people know fun. I don't know what you call these word games, although framed isn't a word game. Just yeah. fun games on your phone, especially movie related ones. Love yeah. Cine 2 Nerdall, although I just call it Cine Nerdall. And Framed, which is a new one for me that I think my friend Harry, friend of the podcast, um, told me about. So check those out. And last year, there was one, they only ran it around Halloween, so like through October, and then they stopped it, but it happened mm. in the fall. It was called Horrordle. Like, oh. And it was only, it was pretty much just like framed, but only horror movies. Okay. And, but they were very, like, I got all of them on, like, the first one, like, constantly, because it was always stuff like Evil Dead, uh, you know, Nightmare uh -huh. on Elm Street, like, very very uh prominent things but i hope they do it again this year that'd be cool yeah i was listening to um it's only a podcast episode on evil dead rise today which is always fun it's that's been one of the greatest things like finally getting my lines memorized because when i would go work out i would literally listen listen to the scenes of my lines just over and over and over to get them in my head and uh -huh. i'm back to listening my, to podcasts so i'm getting caught up um but they talked about Evil Dead Rise, which got me thinking about it. And one thing we didn't mention, probably because I didn't know it, is that um, one of the the actor, the the teen boy, is is a trans actor. And how fucking awesome is that? Oh, I didn't know that either. I know. So, Excellent. like, love that. There's, like, lots of trans representation in horror movies. I read, or I saw some Twitter, some tweet that was about, like, another film that also has, like, um, like a, a young trans person in it. And I just... Like, like, I mean, we shouldn't have to talk about it like that, of course. Like, oh, did you know there's a trans actor in that? But, like, it still is representation and it's happening. And I think that that is important for young trans people or any trans person at that to be like, hey, I can be who I want to be and who I am on the inside, on the outside. And I can do whatever I want. Like, I can achieve those dreams and those mm -hmm. goals no matter what they are. So yeah. I think it is important to talk about. But, um. But yeah, it's sad that we have to in a way, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it makes me feel good, though, as a horror fan, because it really feels like, I don't know, I'm just going off the cuff here. I don't know if this is a fact or not, but it feels like horror and like science fiction and like genre film like that is like the cutting edge for representation half the time. Like, that's where you're going to see uh, better representation of the actors getting cast than compared to like just about any other genre it feels like where they have to fight and scream to be heard so uh, yeah. i feel like it's these uh what we used to call mid to low budget movies but now that's all like meaningless but those tended to be like horror and your smaller like science fiction movies and stuff like that but that's kind of that that seems to be the the cutting edge of like getting up to speed, doing what's right, you know, and getting that representation out there. So uh, I feel good to be a horror fan because of that. I do too. And also in the um, Faces of Death movie coming out, Josie Tota, I believe is how you pronounce her name. She was in the Saved by the Bell reboot. She was like the only good thing about it. I watched maybe like five mm -hmm. episodes, but she's in the Faces of Death reboot. And I'm really excited for that. Oh, so cool. trans representation all around, but in the horror like world, even better. Like, let's yeah. fucking go for it, man. Yeah, we're, we're doing it. I love it. Yeah. Come as you are. You are welcome here. 
yes. with the Scare Boys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And if anyone has any issue with it, they can just fuck right off. That's right. Go fuck right. yourself. <laughs> so, Jeremy, since we had a guest the last episode, we didn't get to any of our telegrams, And I got to say, we have four of them. Yeah, we got a lot of telegrams. So let's dive into those, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So I'll start us off. So friend of the podcast, Horror Boob, a.k.a. Alex, wrote to us. And the subject line is Evil Dead Thoughts and Saw X. Hey, guys, been a minute since I wrote a telegram, But anyways, been trying to catch up on y'all's podcast. But on the Evil Dead podcast, I still haven't seen Evil Dead Rise. So I had to skip y'all's thoughts on that. But just want to say I've recently been watching the Evil Dead movies for the first time. Mm. My quick thoughts. Evil Dead original. Very 80s. Bruce is daddy then and now. Totally. And super fun. Now I get why this movie got gets compared to Cabin in the Woods. It's uncanny. Evil Dead 2. The version I saw had dropped frames and what looked like unedited clips were put in. The claymation took me out immediately, but the story was okay. Not my favorite. Army of Dark Darkness. Um, anyways, Evil Dead 2013, by far my favorite. The story and purpose of why they are at the cabin made sense, and it was brutal, minus the dog kill that could have been taken out immediately. Can't wait to see Rise on physical. I don't know what that means, on physical. I mean, it sounds like something the youths say, like Alex, so on physical. physical. media. On physical media. Disc or, you, you know. Yep. <laughs> I'm really old. Now, y'all heard Saw X was filmed in Mexico. I can't wait to see the film, and I know what my ass will be doing this Halloween. Hopefully, it gives off Saw 2 punk rock 2000 sepia green yellow filter vibes. Y'all are the best. Keep up the amazing work. XOXO. Also, Jeremy, I'm sending you a Polaroid logo for <gasps> you because I hate divorce parenting. LOL. Awesome. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I have it up on my little screen thing with um, Drew Barrymore. Oh, excellent. So, yes, thank you, Alex. And I, I feel like the claymation is more predominant in, in the first Evil Dead. The OG. Like, I wonder if he got them mixed up. I wonder. And it's weird, though. He was talking about, like, dropped frames and stuff. So I'm wondering if, did you did you find some sort of weird, like, director's cut or, like, bootleg cut or something mm -hmm. like that? Because mm -hmm. that that I'm not familiar with. Um, and I feel like the consensus is Army of Darkness is awesome and beloved. Um, but I know it's not for everybody. So I appreciate dissenting opinions because, you know, that's what makes the world go round. Also, as Haraboob is, you know, he's baby. Like, he not calling him a baby, but he is young. He's baby. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I can understand a younger generation. Like, I think he's, like, 21 or something. Like, going back and watching all these Evil Dead movies, that Evil Dead 2013 would rise to the top. Yeah. Because I, it, it fits your the, what you grew up with better. Your aesthetic, yeah. Totally. So that makes sense. But now, because I don't think we did this when we rated the ep or, you know, when we reviewed Evil Dead Rise, rate the Evil Deads in order of. Rank them? Favorite down. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, this is going to be hard, but it all falls into pr place pretty quick for me. Um, and that's not just to say, like, Evil Dead is a series where I absolutely love all of them. None of them on Letterboxd for me dip below four stars. So I think they're okay. all. I think they're all top-notch movies. But if I had to rank them, my favorite is Evil Dead 2. Uh, my second favorite is the original Evil Dead. Uh, number three is Army of Darkness. Uh, then Evil Dead Rise. And then the, the uh, 2013. As okay. The, 
coming in last, but I love them all. So I think I would go favorite, the OG, then Evil Dead 2. Then I think I'd go Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go Army of Darkness. And then I'd go the 2013 remake. Okay. Because, yeah. but like you, there's none, like it's all like tomorrow I could shuffle them another way. Yeah, absolutely. They're all great. So, yeah, I, I love it. It is all. a solid franchise for yeah. sure. It's much like I think we are saying Scream where mm-hmm. none of them are like really crappy movies. Evil Dead, another horror franchise that somehow has managed to just be great the entire time. So, yep, I'm I'm glad it's still alive. I, I'm glad I got into it. I mean, I really don't know if I hadn't have directed Evil Dead the musical. I don't know if I ever would have because I tried mm-hmm. to watch it forever ago before I did that musical and just was like, nah, this isn't my thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have just stayed like that until you and I met and yeah, you would have made I, me watch them. I would have forced you to. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like Evil Evil Dead, the original, is one of those turning points in like my fandoms for things where in high school, I, it's, it had to be friends or somebody, you know, I was starting to like move on to, you know, real horror movies, so to speak, like crazier stuff by the time I was in high school looking for like hardcore things. Um, and I remember in like real rapid succession, people had recommended me like Romero's original dead trilogy and then the original evil dead and then the original Texas chainsaw. So I saw all of those in high school uh, and I'm like utterly obsessed with all of them ever since and that was like the turning point to where it's like no these are the greatest horror movies this is like how this is peak horror and you know the rest is history and it's that's so i don't remember having any horror mentors i was trying to combine those words horror tours that doesn't sound quite right because like when i started to get into them there was really no one above me who was suggesting things for me so it was like me getting stuff from the video store Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think that I sort of got into them because, and I mentioned this before, we had an exchange student who watched, I remember specifically Hellraiser, the first one. Mm. I remember seeing the the hand catching on the nail and the blood coming out, but Mm -hmm. my mom wouldn't let me watch them with him. But I remember him renting them and seeing bits and pieces of them because I think I must have been in like, I don't know, second grade or something. Oh, wow. I don't I can't even remember now what year how old I was, but I was too young to be watching them. But I also remember him renting Return of the Living Dead. Ooh. Um, so like that was sort of how I remember that sort of like hipper vibe as opposed to like the stuff my dad watched, which maybe was like psycho, like some yeah. old Alfred Hitchcock's, not even the monster movies, but yeah. So I feel like that was as much of a horror mentor as I have, and I'm still friends with. Francisco or Mm. Frank as we called him and I always tell him that I attribute a lot of my horror love to him because Mm -hmm. he would always rent them and I think I mentioned this also that they would mix sour cream and um, salsa together to make like a dip and like so those two things (laughs) like a chip dip and so like when I think of those movies that's what comes to mind like when I think of Hellraiser and Return of the Living Dead I think of that dip for some reason. It sounds delicious. (laughs) It is. Oh my God. Creamy and spicy. Mm-hmm. My favorite. I know, right? <laughs> well, Alex, thank you for writing in and yeah. can't wait to hear. I hope you've seen Evil Dead Rise by now since this is weeks after you've written that. I believe he has because I creep on his letterbox. We so. love creeping on horror boobs letterbox, but go check him out, please. Horror boob, all one word. You just put them together like boobs, horror yes. and boob. And motorboat them. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, read us another, please. Okay. Uh, Lauren, the goth botanist herself, has written yes, in Lauren. as well. And Lauren says, dude, we just watched Dungeons and Dragons Among Thieves, and it was awesome. MJ at one point exclaimed, hell yeah, D&D, third edition. Then she puts a bunch of crying laughing so hard crying emojis uh if jeremy hasn't watched it he needs to and that's correct i haven't watched it yet i just saw it's live on paramount plus now which i have so i i need to watch this damn movie finally um as a DD nerd and everyone's saying it's actually good so yeah i definitely gotta see it all right uh continuing lauren also writes reddit i have never figured out how to use that damn site it's probably for the best due to the aforementioned rabbit holes it's like Twitter. I never figured out that shit either. Uh, and I don't think you're missing anything with the state of Twitter these days. Uh, Manhunter, 110% Miami Vice. As I heard another person say, Tom Noonan may be the only man who can make wearing pantyhose on his head scary. Yeah, that scene is so creepy. It is. Uh, I need to revisit this movie as Red Dragon is much fresher in my mind. And while Hannibal the movie wasn't successful at bringing the book to life, you have to acknowledge the iconic scene when Ray Liotta eats his own brain. Mm. Yeah, I I do love that. Also, Tess has not seen any of the Hellraiser franchise. I have not crossed that line yet. That's probably for the best. Now, I think I think Hellraiser is when you've graduated on to, you know, as far as you're going to go. That's the entry point to like hardcore. Um, And finally, Lauren writes. Recent correction corner. I knew as soon as I said it that it was wrong. I called Tyler Labine from Tucker and Dale Zach. I have no idea why, because I love him and he doesn't deserve that kind of disrespect. Oh my God. I love him so much too. I think I've talked about him before. He is definitely a celebrity crush of mine. And that's one of the reasons I love that movie so much. Really, both of those guys are just yeah, they're like, both so. fantastic. And also, it didn't Lauren, register when Lauren said that. So yeah, me either. I was gonna say, Lauren, welcome to our world. We misspeak all the time, and we only catch it about half the time. Uh, so you know, uh, that's what that's happens. life. That's life. That's that's what podcasting is all about. That's what just say, speak, that's, that's, speaking that's from the, the heart. That's the podcast game for you. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Thanks, Lauren. It was great to have you on. And I know some of those came before you guested on the podcast, so I wanted to get them in. All right. Next up is uh, an email from my friend Matthew, friend of the podcast, who writes uh, the subject line, My Horror Week. And Matthew writes, Hello, you two. I had a horror-packed week, and I wanted to share it with you two. First, I saw Evil Dead Rise, which I really enjoyed. I really liked the three unique weapons I'd never seen used in a horror film before. You both talked about the Shining references in the film, and apart from the obvious, I noticed a few. The bathtub in the apartment was set up like the bathtub in room 237, and the molding around the apartment's peephole looks like the shape on the Overlook's carpet. Both of you mentioned you liked 2013 Evil Dead, but I remember feeling the exact opposite of that when I saw it. My disappointment from that film almost made me not eager to see this one, but based on your opinions, I think I need a rewatch of 2013 Evil Dead. I also checked a book out from my local library called The Devil Takes You Home by Gam- Gabino Iglesias. I saw a few book bookstagrammers. I don't know how to say that. It's like people on Instagram who have books. Books. Okay. Bookstagrammers? Thank you. Bookstagrammers. That's it. Yes, thank you. I saw a few bookstagrammers rave about it and I had to check it out and it really did not disappoint. 
I finished the book in four days. While I love reading, I'm a slow reader, so this is a huge compliment and accomplishment, lol, for me. My library has it filled under filed under mystery, but this book delivers chills, and I would recommend it to horror fans. Lastly, I found a musical artist that I wanted to tell you about, and your listeners. If you don't know about them already, they're called Midnight Danger, and they're a synthwave band based in Stockholm, Sweden. If you like 80s horror soundtracks, this band is for you. It really sounds like their music is lifted from an 80s horror film, and their cover art and music videos are a love letter to 80s horror. I actually liked having their music on in the background while reading The Devil Takes You Home. It gave a great mood. Have a great week, Matthew. And Matthew, yes, I listened to Midnight Danger yesterday, and I sent Matthew a message because the, the cover, the artwork is so horror movies, and the 80s music mm-hmm. is so on point. So check them out. Midnight Danger. And yeah, I got to put this book on my list. The Devil Takes You Home. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you heard what we both kind of had to say about Evil Dead 2013. It's not the top of our list, but we still liked it. So yeah, mm-hmm. check it. Check it the fuck out. I had to look this up. Midnight Danger. Okay, I'm going to listen yeah, to that. You got to check them. Got to listen to them. I love, I love synth wave music. So ah, yeah. Me too. I wish there were some lyric, like some people singing because that's my favorite. An mm-hmm. 80s vibe, but with a cool singer. Yeah. Um, but but I also like I just listened to it while working yesterday and it was amazing. So cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Matthew. Yeah. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, and uh, next up, we got Teacher Drew. Teacher Drew. Uh, and Teacher Drew says, good morning, guys. Your episodes are engaging and just scream for interaction. Have you ever thought about live streaming via Twitch sometime? Count me in for sure. This is like, it's like my dream to do this year. Sorry, <laughs> I just have to answer that right away. Yeah, I want to figure out a Twitch setup at some point. Because uh, I think that would be cool to like watch a movie or something. Do something in real time with people. Yeah. They- we're into it so uh you know it's it's a future project we got here marked teacher drew don't worry um and teacher drew goes on to write funny story my aunt ran in higher level circles once while visiting us she mentioned she had been at some big socal party and met someone who is supposedly a famous writer she told him sorry but horror isn't her genre so she was unfamiliar with his work i was all sorts of envious when i found out it was dean coons oh growing up i was all over clive barker dean coons and the master stephen king uh yeah and i to this day, I love all three of those writers myself as well. So, you know, they're like, they're just awesome. Uh, Teacher Drew continues. To Ethan's question, many feel the same as you about Stephen King novels sometimes being better than the movies. As a kid, I remember reading The Shining at the Beach. I got so terrified during one scene that I had to stop reading. Now that's effective horror movie. Yeah, reading at the beach and getting so scared. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for showing Manhunter some love. It's a solid movie. I also read all the Thomas Harris novels I could growing up. Shout out to the new Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3. It was brilliant and they leaned into the horror vibes. I thought of Nope, a certain animal attack scene, and a few other horror titles. Of course, I thought of Jeremy when Groot was told to go full kaiju. Yeah, I gotta see. I'm hearing great things. I've been sort of like disengaged from Marvel lately because there's just so much I haven't kept up, but I do still love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies in particular. 
I need to see that third one and, you know, wrap up the story. Uh, and Teacher Drew finishes up with, I was challenged recently to pick a horror movie still that was iconically terror invoking. Any thoughts? My friend chose the one with the nurse and the hedge clippers from Exorcist 3. Well, that's all for now. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thank you, Teacher Drew. Do you have a favorite Dean Koontz book? Dean Koontz? Um, probably Odd Thomas, the first one. Odd Thomas? Yeah, Odd Thomas. I haven't read a lot of Dean Koontz, but uh, of what I've read, I think uh, the first Odd Thomas was my favorite. That's a I don't know that. Solid book. It went on to be a, a series. Um, the main character, Odd Thomas himself, uh, he's a uh, like a he can see dead people. And, okay. and and, and it, they're sort of like detective stories, uh, but with ghosts and all kinds of craziness going on. Um, but but the ghosts aren't even like the main focus. They're just kind of like flavor to the stories. But uh, the first one's really good. Yeah, it's weird. I know I've read a handful. I mean, Intensity is the one that stands out to yeah. me, but I know I read other ones. But when I look at the list of them, I just none of them stand out as like, oh, yeah, that one was this. Yep. I've so, read read uh, uh thomas and intensity and um uh phantoms which was a horrible movie yep. i remember that much and it was mr something mr murder mr murder isn't that a thing i don't know it was like a bad movie yeah mr murder yeah okay. from 93 i remember that was a bad movie i think with jeff goldblum i want to say okay yeah. But Phantom, yeah, Phantoms was like his take on the thing. Mm-hmm. Overall, yeah. And I remember the book being, like, reading the book, I'm like, this is a million times better than the movie. So. Oh, yeah. So yeah. true. Yeah. But yeah, that would be fun to go back to some Dean Coons because there's a yeah. lot that I haven't read. And, like, do a, like, a, hey, what are the best? I ones? really want to read uh, Watchers, the book. I think I did read Watchers because the movie has Corey Haim. Yeah, the first movie's got Corey Haim. Uh, Watchers 2 is like it's it's funny there's like four Watchers movies um, but all of them are just a remake of the book every time like it's the exact same plot with like changing characters or locations but they're the same plot over and over and it's just the plot of the novel repeated every time so it's kind of funny that they did that but I've only seen Watchers 2 of all the movies okay and that was really cheesy and goofy so yeah I bet I bet um well thank you teacher drew yeah, iconic horror frames oh iconic hearth speaking of frames you have any a still frame any iconic ones that are terror inducing by themselves i always think the shot of heather o'rourke and poltergeist when she's about to get sucked into the closet when she's yes. like dangling mid-air because i just think that that poor little girl that must have been frightening like what, yeah. however they did it oh god yes to have been scary um that that i always sort of feel that i think and also from poltergeist it's just where my mind is going when the monster comes out of the closet and like yeah. roars at at the mom i think yeah. that that's pretty freaky yeah um for me i immediately thought of just about any scene of like when leatherface appears in a doorway in the original texas chainsaw oh, yeah. like all of those like when he runs out and grabs uh, uh the girl and her comes, legs are flailing it just yeah, feels so real looks feels so real so real looks so real like that still image is just frightening um and i also thought of jaws 
the scene specifically it's when the kids are all like in the water mm-hmm. and you see the shark fin like right before it submerges right next to him and all hell breaks loose that that still frame right there is just like so skin crawling because uh, you know what's coming heck yeah those are good ones yeah mm-hmm. so hey everybody what are your favorite horror still horrific terror inducing still frames yeah any any shot from a movie that's just by itself frightening i'd also say it's more kind of gross i guess but like it sticks in my brain because i had seen it before i'd even seen the movie and it freaked me out was zombie lucio fulci's Mm. zombie and the image they used for the poster of just that gross zombie as he rises out of the ground like that always freaked me out i still think it's creepy and gross looking so yeah, I, I'm with you there. It's pretty yep. disgusting. Yeah. With well, the, thanks, I, Teacher Drew. With the we are going to eat you tagline. Oh, yeah. On the poster. That was a good poster. Yeah. Better poster than a movie. Mm-hmm. IMO. <laughs> I would say. Overall. But yes, please keep writing us, everybody. Uh, you can hit us up, scaringandsharing at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram, scaringandsharing, all one word. Do it. So anything you would like to talk about? Any news or views that you have since I have none? Any views are, I rewatched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre not nice. that long ago. Just, uh, it'd been a minute, you know, it was a hot day since we're getting these in Michigan, especially for this time of year. It's kind Although of we're unusual. back to cold, but sure. Yeah, we're back to cold, but it was hot for a minute, like summer days. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a good Texas Chainsaw night. I'm going to watch that. Heck yeah. And it never gets old. It's still like, possibly my all-time favorite movie period um and then speaking of cowboys i also revisited house Two: the second story which is the sequel to the cheesy american house um but it features zombie cowboys pretty prominently so that's where you know you're saying horror westerns and i'm like that one sort of has some horror western vibe in it it's mostly just a weirdo adventure movie with some horror elements in it but yeah it does have zombie cowboys so i think i'm already wrong though i think i said dead time stories was a horror thing and that's not what i'm thinking of i'm thinking of grim prairie tales oh okay i said dead time stories and that's a totally different movie like it just hit me well i've not prairie tales has james earl jones and brad dorif in it wow yeah i've not seen either of them that's what i was thinking of that's like a western and i'm pretty sure it is like i was thinking it was like with yeah but the poster stands out uh for sure um and as see and i remember trying to rewatch house and i just uh, god i couldn't even get through it Mm. but i loved it as a kid or i liked it as a kid it scared the crap out of me as a kid that's like one of my earliest like that movie's so scary when i saw it as a uh like uh i don't know that's probably in like third fourth grade something like that yeah so why why didn't i why couldn't i do it Maybe I was just I tired. Maybe you know? you're just tired, not ready. I mean, they are cheesy for sure. So it's not like they're masterpieces or anything. Yeah. Any news? No, I haven't kept up on the news. Okay. Well, let's um, just get to our movie. Let's get to it. Let's uh, let's talk about um, to our titular terror. Our titular terror here, uh, uh, the Vespa Riding Exorcist. I mean, I mean, the, the Pope's exorcist. Are you going to read the description? Uh, I can do that. Okay. Uh, the Pope's exorcist, directed by Julius Avery, 
who I didn't realize who that was until I looked him up. Um, and he directed oh, Overlord. O- he directed Overlord. So I was like, oh, oh wow. Uh, the tagline on Letterboxd is possession was only the beginning. And the, the, the synopsis is Father Gabriel Amort, chief exorcist of the Vatican, investigates a young boy's terrifying possession and ends up uncovering a centuries old conspiracy the Vatican has desperately tried to keep hidden. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, those are things that happen in this movie. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I remember when I, you know, stayed away from the trailer, but you said it looked like The Exorcist. They used The Exorcist font. Uh-huh. Let me just say, I made a list of about 12 things where it's like this check, this check, which was all things that are just like The Exorcist. Yes. Um, except for like, I will say, though, I had fun watching this movie for sure, um, because after a point i mean mild spoilers here guys but like the trailers didn't do justice to what this thing actually was because there is a lot of like lip service to like the exorcist and your big but you know i kept thinking of like amityville horror and all these other like possession and or possessiony type you know haunting movies um but in the third act this thing just goes crazy like I don't know how to describe it other than it just becomes totally bonkers in the third act. And I'm like, what is this movie I'm watching now? So yeah, (laughs) it does. It definitely does. But like prior to that, and again, sort of mildly spoilers, but whatever. Um, Does a character puke? Check. Is there a head spin? Check. Is there a priest with a past? Check. Are there words on the possessed child's skin? Check. Check yeah. Are there, <laughs> is there a child with scratches all over their face? Check. Does the child have no father? Check. Is the child tied up? Check. Does the child say dirty things? Check. Is there a spider walk of sorts? Check. Check. Is there a take me, no take me? Check. Like, so many things. But the one thing this film has that The Exorcist doesn't as much is a sense of humor. There is some humor in this, which elevates it just slightly above a totally, totally boring Exorcist ripoff. Absolutely. And it also has a lot of Vespa riding, as I just said. Like all the scenes of Russell Crowe cruising around on a Vespa. I don't know. I just loved them. <laughs> like I, I, felt, I lost it and laughed out loud every time one of those scenes happened. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I love it. <laughs> and Alex Esso's in it, who we know from Starry Eyes and Doctor mm, Sleep. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was do like, why do, her. I, why do I recognize her? And I, was, I had to look it up and I was like, that's why. When the kid was at his most possessed, he looked like an extra or like he was a lost character from Cat People, the remake. Yes. It definitely was a cat people vibe. But there, let me say this. There is a point where possession is happening with the child. And there's a mother and a daughter. And there's a point where they're sleeping in separate beds. And I would just say, if you were in this giant house where your kid is possessed, you are going to be spending every waking moment with each other. You will probably yeah. shower together because there's no way you're going to go out of each other's sight. So the fact that they're separated in different rooms in a creepy old house that they just moved into yes. and they're not going to be like just sleep in the same bed with each other. That's not. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I, I actually watched this uh, with my brother okay. uh, last night and he was like, yeah, why are they still in the house that's like literally inhabited by Satan? Like, why are <laughs> why are they staying there? So, uh, yeah, I, I did. I thought that was like just dumb horror movie logic that they fit in there. 
And then at one point she yells, not without my son. And it just made me think of not without my daughter, which I went on a date to see that movie with Jessica Taggart, my um, my girlfriend from the sixth grade who could not go see Silence of the Lambs with me. But we did go see not without my daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, Russell Crowe, obviously his acting is really, you know, he's a good actor. Yeah. And he raises it above just a little bit. It's just... It's just a mostly by the numbers until you said the third act gets a little all over the place. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's a movie. Especially since there's some moments in the third act where I'm like, okay, yeah, this thing is not taking itself too seriously. Um, I saw somebody on Letterboxd say that this movie, when all is said and done, this flick has more in common with the evil dead than it does with the original exorcist. And I'm like, yeah, once it wraps up, yes, it goes off into some, more gonzo territory there's a whole sequence like that sets off the 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 third act i'd say like the final chunk of the movie that like it becomes a weird da vinci code thing for a while yeah and you does have that sort of vibe yeah where you're like secret church history that influenced the world and we're gonna work in some satanic stuff and it's like you know i don't know how successful it is but i appreciate it for taking some big swings and like especially after watching what I thought was just like, eh, it's a pretty by the numbers exorcism movie. Like I love demonic possession type movies. So of course I'm in to watch this thing no matter what, but uh, yeah, I do like that. It just ventured off and is like, all right, we're done with that part. Now we're going to get crazy. Like I was, I was there for that. So I just wish it would have done it earlier. I wish it would yeah. have been like, Oh, you think this movie's going to be about this possessed little kid, but quickly we discover it's not. Yeah, but that... it takes two thirds of the movie of yes. just being a straight up exorcist ripoff. And then before we finally get somewhere else, because there's these like really fun set pieces, the house, this like underground cavern. There's these things that are like really cool areas that like I just wanted us to spend more time in and to get to sooner. Yeah. And I could like spend a lot more anytime they're getting into like demonology stuff. Because, like, I don't know, I just love that shit, like, learning about occult lore and demonology lore. Like, I could spend forever uh, with them, like, getting into the minutia of it. But really, it's just kind of flavoring in this movie. So, um, but and and the fact that Franco Nero, what amused the hell out of me is that Franco Nero played the Pope. Uh, And Franco Nero, for people like me, you know, he's an Italian like action movie star, B movie star. He was in he's the original Django uh, in a bunch of spaghetti westerns uh, and usually just, you know, really over the top action type stuff. But he plays the Pope. And then you look at the year this was supposed to be and you're like, oh, so I guess he's John Paul II because that's who was the Pope the year that this movie is set. So I was just amused to no end that we got Franco Nero I, possibly playing John Paul II. But wait, I have to go back to something you said because the only place I know this from is from a movie called Django Unchained, which I've never seen. But that's mm. the word Django that I know. So Django is like a character that's in a lot of movies. Yes. Like Django- a kind of character. Yes, so like Jay, a trope or like a, a archetype, kind of all of those because okay. uh, there there's a movie like Tarantino was referencing the movie Django, which is a spaghetti western from like the late '60s, I think, early '70s. Franco Nero starred as Django, who's your like traveling, you know, badass gunslinger 
in that. Um, but that movie was like a hit in Italy. So it spawned an entire wave of uh, unofficial sequels where people would like name up because Italy's copyright laws are pretty much like non-existent for a lot of things. So you can just do whatever you want and call it a sequel to something. So there was a ton of imitator Django movies and there's probably like a couple dozen of them, but Franco Nero himself only played the character, I think a couple of times, but he's a, uh, especially in Italy, uh, Django is like a big archetype Western character that uh, uh, carries a lot of weight. Now my follow-up question, and I, definitely knew the answer to this at some point because i took a a western literature class in high school which was Mm -hmm. really cool i had a british lit class too like i had lots of really cool lit classes for like a small Mm. town wyoming's high school yeah but in our western lit class i remember we watched high noon and that is a spaghetti western Mm -hmm. what where does the spaghetti come into the name so spaghetti just comes from the fact that it was produced by italians uh so like i don't know how like i don't know people haven't referred to it as a derogatory name but maybe it is a little bit but um in in like the 60s and 70s like italian directors they jumped in on the uh, popularity of westerns and started making their own so a lot of them are made by like italian directors and crews often shot in like spain or mexico okay interesting yep so and that's like Clint Eastwood. That's he owes his career to the to those because he uh, his career was flagging in the U.S. His agent convinced him to go to Europe and shoot some movies over there, and he fell in with the Italian directors, and you know became the man with no name, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and fistful of dollars, and all those, and that turned him into an international icon. So. And I may be wrong as I'm just looking it up. I don't know that High Noon is a spaghetti western. But I swear that I thought it was, but as I Google it, it's not coming up. It's just saying it's a, a cinema classic and whatnot. So, okay. yeah. And it's sometimes, you know, there are movies that feel like the Italian Westerns, but were made by America because those got so popular that the, then the American filmmakers started imitating what the Italians were doing. So, yeah, it gets real crazy trying to track the development of those. Because it was directed by Fred Zinnemann, which sounds almost like it could be. Yeah, yeah, it could Italian, be. Italian, but... Could be. I don't know. I don't and know. they also, those directors also would, like, try and hide that they were Italian. So, like, you know, directors like Sergio Carbucci and stuff would, like, sometimes direct under, like, Fred Jones. Like, give it a fake, you know, try to be super American-sounding name instead of their own, so... Now, I wonder how many times on the set of us... An- a literal spaghetti western did they literally have spaghetti for like their i wonder was for the catering on the, yeah on their crafty what is it called the craft table or whatever yeah, craft services craft services thank you yep crafty <laughs> do they have lasagna did they have tiramisu yeah, that's italian did, right yes did they have okay. uh charcuterie of some kind i imagine oh my God, some, i love a charcuterie tray some meats and cheeses Oh my god, that sounds so delicious. Which is popular across all of Europe, so. Okay. Come on, Charcoots. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Russell Crowe makes this a little better. The humor, and I just wish that they got to, you know, the, the, the stuff towards the end earlier. Yeah, and I wish that, like, the trailers were a little more... I don't know. At the same time, it was a pleasant surprise because this thing put me off like the trailers just looked so generic 
for this movie that there's just a little, I mean, it's not like amazing, but there's a little more going on than just the generic stuff they showed you uh, in the trailer. So I was wishing they might, might've gave a little bit more of a peek. Uh, I did like the opening that very first scene too. Yes, I thought that was highly effective. And with like, and sorry, uh, you know, people that have to look up, does the dog die? You know, uh, there is some animal violence right in the beginning of this movie, but I thought that was just like an incredible sequence the way they pulled it all off. So I was like, oh, cool. And then to bookend it and slight spoilers, I won't get too much into it, but um, I loved that the end wasn't like, ooh, and the devil still lives. Like it was just sort of like, and now we're done. (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of ended, but it also set up the potentiality for like, any sort of sequel they want to do to this thing so it's like okay but it wasn't like your sort of typical yeah horror, no horror baiting that like you a child wakes up and their eyes are fucked up or that he his eyes that he yeah. blinks in his it's just more like because is he based on a real character or was that just what it makes it seem like he's based on a real person okay uh, father amort was an actual exorcist for the vatican um and you know so and because of that he was a controversial figure i mean they touch on it in the movie with the you know church like higher ups telling him that we're trying to modernize and don't need you running around doing this archaic stuff uh from the middle ages but like yeah that was sort of like the reality of it like he was very much a uh hardcore like the devil is real and stuff happens and people need to be able to people like me need to be there to help deal with it um so yeah he's he's an interesting figure in like church history but i don't think this did well enough for a sequel sequel to be warranted no, no, i think it I cost think like so. nine million or no wait, i think it grossed 19 million i don't know what it costs to make but i mean and that's probably i mean it probably you know the budget i'm sure was not and worldwide it made 70 million yeah so maybe a sequel but it definitely wasn't a smash no not a smash um this is something though that like if i had known more about it i would have had fun catching this in theaters like on a friday night or something like that like it's totally that kind of that kind of movie it sounds like the budget was 18 million so that's 70 million worldwide now let me ask a budget question when you read about a budget and mm-hmm. then you read about the worldwide like you know what something makes throughout the, the the globe is that budget you read about include all the marketing and everything they had to do to do overseas usually no uh usually when you read the budget that's literally what it cost um from what i understand i might be wrong guys and it's been a minute since i've had to like learn about budgeting for films um but usually when you read the budget figures what they're talking about is just what it costs to like shoot the thing uh and then get it through post-production um but that usually does not take into account marketing um and uh any other costs that come up that's gonna be like a huge cost though usually yes and this is where you get into the whole idea of what they called uh hollywood accounting uh which is how a movie can seemingly make its budget back but you have so many filmmakers that are told by studios that like where's my royalty check and they're like oh it didn't actually make any money because when we could take into marketing and this and that and all these agents and this person and this person that had to be paid uh you know we're in the red sorry uh so there's there's a lot of uh i know there's a lot of call for like reform like actual laws to go into place that regulate uh, uh, how Hollywood 
budgets does their accounting. So we'll, we'll see if that ever changes, but yeah, it is, it is weird budgeting and accounting and all that for movies mm-hmm. is strange. It sure the fuck is. Well, anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, other than what a, what a shot in the dark. I think we took, we just kind of were like, mm, let's do this movie. Uh, and you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't unpleasant. So. All right, well, out of five puked birds. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way to say that. Yeah. About a five of those, what would you give the Pope's Exorcist? I give it a three. I'm going to give it a three as well. You know, I was going to do two and a half, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, why not? So we can get a... Scare of approval. Scare of approval. Just, just making it in. Just by the skin of its teeth. Yeah, just enough. But yeah, you know, I don't know. It had, it's got some fun moments. So yeah, some a little bit of charm. The humor definitely likes it. Okay, it's yeah, kinda clever and kind of cute. I'd say check it out if you're, you know, this is definitely one of those like Saturday afternoon it, when it's on TV or whatever. Once it does that jump and you got nothing else, or it's on a streamer, you got nothing else going on. Throw this on. Just throw it on. You know. Yeah. And I think it'll, you'll have some fun. If you like this sort of shit like we do, so. Yeah. All right. Well, we are taking next week off. So, because Jeremy's going to be where? I'm going to go gallivanting around Europe for a minute. Oh, my God. There better be ghost stories when you come back. Oh, I hope so. We're going to, specifically, I'm going to be in Germany and Portugal. Uh, And I do know when we're in Germany... Uh, we got a little tour booked of some old churches and monasteries. So Ooh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for some ghostly encounters there. There better be, God damn it. Hell yeah. Well, if you experience anything over there, put it up on our Instagram. Mm. Share it. I absolutely will. Okay, good. So everybody, we'll see you in two weeks. So that would be on June 2nd. Come back yep. and join us. And until then, go back, listen to some old episodes or go support some of these other podcasts we love. Go support It's Only a Podcast. Go support my husband's podcast, Three Funny Ladies. What else? Uh, Development um, Hell, Josh Development Hell, yeah, love, love him. Love that. Yep, love it. I'm um, a big fan of the Daniel Harris one, Talk Scary to Me with Scout Taylor Compton. Go check that out. And any other podcast we may have left out. We Just go, go support yeah. other people. Go go check them out. Check out Bigfoot Collectors Club if you're into sure. uh, cryptids, cryptids like I am. That's like one of my main go-tos these days. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. And until then, um, remember, it's only a dream. It's only a dream. <gasps> it's in the trees. It's coming. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.